Hey, Armstrong and Getty here. And the real estate market is about as crazy as it's ever been. I mean, it's just none of the old rules apply anymore. Everything's different. You gotta, you, you need expert advice. And there will be a new set of new rules next week, too, probably. That's why you have to get great real estate representation, good or bad or mediocre, will no longer do. Give Robert Millward a call. Robert's with Intero Real Estate now at 204-9493. Maybe you're thinking about selling. What's your house worth? Get a good solid number instead of a wild guess. Maybe you're not upside down anymore because, as Jack said, the rules are changing. Who can get approved for a short sale? Who can get approved for a mortgage? Call 204-9493, 204-9493. Talk to the only guy I'd use or go to JoeGettysRealtor.com. That's JoeGettysRealtor.com. Welcome to what is, I think, what I think is the safest building in the world, this building. You know why this building is the safest building in the world? We're surrounded by superheroes. There are dirty, sweaty superheroes all over this place. And the reason I bring uh, up safety is the Pew Research Center, yesterday they released a report of the world's most dangerous threats. There's a list of threats people are around the world believe to be most dangerous. And at the top of the list, the two most dangerous threats are ISIS and climate change. 13 countries said climate change was most dangerous. 17 countries said ISIS. We didn't say either one of those. In the United States, we said cyber attacks are the most dangerous threat. To... Here in L.A., we said traffic and gluten, but the rest of the country <laughs> said cyber attacks, which I think is interesting. We really don't want to be off of Instagram for even a, a minute. It's pretty interesting that the rest of the world has global warming and terrorism, one and two, and we didn't pick either one of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know me, I quibble with every poll. I'd like to see, you know, what was one, two, and three, and how close were they? You know, just to, to cite a ridiculous example, if if it was 25 to 24 to 23, and then they were in reverse positions, what, you know. Doesn't mean much? No. Well, no. I'll dig that up, and I'll bring uh, you that. Yeah, I would like to hear that. Um, I don't worry about either global warming or terrorism. No, I'm interested in climate change, as they say. Uh, oh, I should I be interested, I think, but I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Some. I don't know why. I think it's a flaw, but I just don't think about it. Well, you can't take the weight of the world on you, every aspect of it. I got other problems. Right. That's what I'm saying. What, what are you going to do? Sit around and be Nothing. unhappy all day, symbolically? Exactly. A lot of, well, you're not as into virtue signaling as a lot of people are. So yesterday, this was a pretty big story, and it was reported as originally, um, uh, or at least the implication was that the, the the Trump administration is, you know, trying to help out white people because that's what he's all about. And um, oh yeah, the New York Times college affirmative action story thingy, and doing away with the way affirmative action has been for quite some time in our universities, and making it just a merit based decision uh, on who gets in and not based on race, and that that was to help white people. Well, it turns out that the New York Times um, ignored part of this story that I think it was another leak or ill-gotten gains of some sort. I don't think this was supposed to come out, but the information they got was actually from a study that was done in the Obama administration in which they found that the affirmative action policy at Harvard, for instance, was hurting Asians. Mm -hmm. There are lots of super smart Asians that weren't getting in. Um, that should get in because of a need for a variety of other ethnicities to get in, certain numbers. And for whatever reason, the Obama administration uh, had that study um, and didn't act on it and then just you know put it in a file somewhere. And then it came out, but it was portrayed yesterday, at least early in the day, as 
They're wanting to do away with this to help white people, when actually, at least at Harvard, it would help Asians, hmm. is the whole point. Right. So well, it's got to be. Times got to get clicks, got to sell papers. Yeah, but it's a bit of a conundrum for, you know, people who worry about this sort of thing. So what am I supposed to think on this one? Because hmm. Asians are minority. Minority. A lot of immigration, but they're super smart. So what do I think of it? How about right. you just let all the smartest people in at this point in our history? And and listen, if it turns out super achiever colleges are mostly Asians, I don't know. That's interesting. You deal with it. I mean, that's the way it is. You. It will change our perceptions. I don't know. It'll be fine. Why would that so hurt often? Anything? So often the the cure is so much worse than the disease long term. If you, I, I am willing to entertain the argument that if Harvard were only Asian American people, there would still be a fair amount of diversity of of thought and you know geographic origin and whatever. But if it was so monochromatic, it was only Asian people. That would make, like, political science classes different and sociology classes really different, I, I would think. You know, the, the disc, if, if it's a discussion-driven classroom. You know, it's funny. I hear these debates, and I think back to my college experience, and there were some classes that had a fair amount of discussion in them. Um, but let's be honest with each other. It's like a meeting at your, your workplace. Half the comments and discussion are stupid, and you wish somebody hadn't made them, you know? It just, it just made it longer. Um, most of it was a professor delivering lectures, telling you what to read. You asked a handful of questions, that sort of thing. And if I had been surrounded by all white people or all black people or half black, half Asians and, and, and well, a third sunburned people, which would be like Neapolitan ice cream. And who doesn't enjoy that? Or Martians <laughs> or, or, or beavers or whatever. It would not have really changed my educational experience. Right. I mean, a lecture hall full that. of beavers would be a little disconcerting, but once it got started and the guy was lecturing or the gal was lecturing and then I went home and I did my homework and the rest of it, it wouldn't have changed it that I've much. I've always thought that the whole diversity in the classroom, the the racial makeup of this big room full of people that's barely paying attention, some of which are asleep, I'm not sure has any effect for the for, for the most part on, on my experience. Right, Exactly. Is, is, is it a white guy plainly messing with his cell phone or a black guy plainly messing <laughs> with his phone and not listening? Doesn't matter that much. <laughs> so, yeah. So there you go. There's that. Uh, coming up in a little bit, we'll uh, we'll talk to a uh, Washington Examiner reporter. Trump going big on this immigration thing and see what he thinks of that. Why don't we set it up by playing a little uh, Stephen Miller stuff, uh, Vincent? What are you? Um, or, uh... What's your fave? Got a little testy between Stephen Miller, who's the he's an advisor. He's a uh, a con- economic advisor. Yeah, I think so. What's his title? Somebody figure that. Got out. an argument in a press conference yesterday with a CNN reporter. Which one do you like, Vince? The Statue of Liberty has always Jim, been let me ask you a question. hope to the world Jim, for people to say Jim, do you believe to this country Jim, and they're not always going to speak Jim, English, Stephen. Jim, they're not do you always believe, going to be highly skilled. They're not always Jim, going to be Jim, so Jim, I, I appreciate your speech. Jim, I appreciate your speech. So let's let's talk about this. It was a, it was a modest Jim, let's talk about this. In 1970, when we let in 300,000 people a year, was that violating or not violating the Statue of Liberty law of the land? Tell me what years meet. Tell me what years meet Jim Acosta's definition of the Statue of Liberty poem, "Law of the Land." So you're saying a million a year 
is the Statue of Liberty number. 900,000 violates it, 800,000 violates it. Yeah, nice shot. Jim Acosta. Yeah, that is one of the most outrageous, insulting, ignorant, and foolish things you've ever said. Yeah, amen to that. That's a great clip. Um, Jim Acosta is a grandstanding dick. Pardon me. Wow. He really is. You heard me. Joe, working blue. Steve Miller, uh, U.S. President Donald Trump's senior advisor for policy. Oh, is he? But we'll talk to a guy from the Washington Examiner next about the, the new immigration plan. I don't know. Oh, that's right. Our board operator left. And Sean's on the phone. Oh, we might be out of He's luck He's a board here. operator. <laughs> board operator. Michelangelo's official uh, title is board operator, but he, uh, he had to leave the room for uh, undisclosed reasons. <laughs> I'm back, guys. I, just, I demand a leak. Did you see yesterday that I put pizza on my no-eat list? Pizza is now on my no-eat list. Really? Yeah. I I will not eat any more pizza. I just wow. I just did I just it doesn't agree with me. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's my it. that's my why I'm fat food. Yeah, you Zom. overdid it the other night, right? I don't know. I I had three pieces. I mean, that's more than you need to eat, but that's not like an insane amount. Thin or thick crust? Thin. Size, please, of the pizza. It was a large. Three large? That's that's nothing. Well, right. Yeah, that's not that's an appetizer. <laughs> That's the first plate. I've just had a couple of unpleasant experiences in a row. And what a, why don't you add fried chicken to that list? Because the other day you were like, yeah. Well, that problem trembling. was I, I ate I ate two big pieces of fried chicken in addition to like the two I had at dinner right before I went to bed, and I oh. think I just laid there with all that grease in my gallbladder. And oh boy. <laughs> Remember when we were young and we could eat anything? I know. Good times. Yeah. Uh, Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Today, the administration announced a harsh new immigration bill, and I gotta say, <laughs> Trump is fulfilling at least one key campaign promise. Get him out of here! Get him out of here! Get the hell out of here! All right, now don't say, don't you dare say, he's just cruelly targeting undocumented immigrants because the bill wants to reduce legal immigration to the United States by 50%. Melania, honey, uh, I got some tough news. Only 50% of your parents can come to Thanksgiving. I say your mom, she's in great physical shape. I wanted to play that because I was just interested in what the Colbert, you know, anti-Trump mainstream media sort of view was... uh... Of the immigration policy, which I guarantee you has overwhelming public support. Right. Yeah. We have breaking news, breaking news. It can wait. Uh, It's outstanding news. Uh, Exciting news. From uh, our our, our friends, our fabulous friends, Tim Sandifer and his uh, equally, if not uh, superior uh, wife, Christina, about right to try legislation. So stay with us. Right now, though, speaking of uh, immigration, the Trump uh, measure, etc., James Antle III, politics editor for the Washington Examiner. Jim, how are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. So uh, Trump and company shook the tree yesterday, certainly got some attention. Uh, what do you think of the proposal? What's your reaction? 
Well, you know, for a long time, we've seen poll numbers indicate that the American people would like to either keep current immigration levels the same or even reduce them. But for the past five presidents of both parties and most congressional majorities for the last 20 years or so have pursued policies that would increase immigration. And so this is kind of the first time we've seen support for reducing immigration at the White House level in really a very long time. And and so it's quite a significant departure from the way they've tried to reform immigration over the past decade when they've had these comprehensive immigration reform bills. But it's also a major departure from the immigration policy that we've really been following for the past 50 or so years. Um, This issue has always confused me. It's always stood out to me as the number one example of uh, or test case of does does a democracy work in reflecting what the public wants? Because all the polling that I've been following over the many years is practically everybody. And I mean, like 90 percent of people want illegal immigration stopped. That includes lots of Democrats and Republicans. And as you said, people polling either want to. Uh, stay the same or reduce legal immigration. So why why have we just not been able to, as the public, overwhelmingly wanting one thing, get it to happen? Because there's a huge divide between the public and the elites on this question. I mean, if you look at uh, the sentiments of journalists, which was very obvious uh, in the press briefing yesterday when Stephen Miller came out, the Trump advisor, uh, to defend this bill, uh, you know, the reporters were very hostile to it. Um, you know, if you look at the sentiment of journalists, of business leaders, of people in government, of people in academia, of people in Hollywood entertainment, um, they are very much on a different page than standard issue average American public opinion on this. Then like and 85% so, of Americans. So it's interesting that media, Hollywood, business leaders, government class can overrule what almost everybody else wants. Yeah, that 15% that's on the other side, though, includes a lot of very important people. Uh, And so they can override. And the other real important issue with this is that there are a lot of organized interests that are advocating for more immigration. You have business groups that want the labor. You have ethnic activist groups that want to have uh, people uh, who are related to them coming into the country. Uh, You know, you have liberal groups that want to have more people who are going to be voting for Democratic candidates. You don't have the same kind of organized uh, pressure uh, on behalf of limiting immigration, even if that's what most people say they want to do. They don't have the same uh, direct interests that they're lobbying on behalf of. It's just a sentiment that a lot of people would express to a pollster. Jim Annell, politics editor, Washington Examiner on the line. That's something we've talked about on this show through the years that I, I don't think most people are appreciate enough. The incredibly outsized um, effectiveness concentrated interest has versus, you know, generalized uh, benefit or generalized sentiment. I mean, right. if you have 50,000 people who believe something, and then you have 5,000 people who attend meetings and make uh, campaign contributions and hire a lobbyist and threaten, et cetera, et cetera, those 50,000 people, they might as well not be there. That's absolutely and, right. Unless they consistently go to the polls, but and I left that out, that's what those 5,000 people do every time. Right, and there's so much that goes on in politics and policymaking in between elections. So, you know, you can show up and go to the polls Maybe you'll be lucky you get your guy in, 
or your gal in, but you know, you have to really be pressuring lawmakers and, and pressuring your local elected officials in between the elections to get the policy outcomes that you want. So the activists who are doing that, and, and frankly, in many cases, the people who are employed to do that on a full-time basis, as opposed to the people who have other things to worry about and their civic involvement is limited to voting, the, you know, the, the just your standard voter doesn't get quite the same representation as the person who's you know, hitting City Hall every day. Jim Andel III, do you have a son? I do not. If you do, is he going to be the fourth? Absolutely. There you go. See, I'm a third, and I did not go with the fourth. And you're yeah, cavalier, absolutely. It, it is <laughs> yeah. hurtful to me and, and aggressive. Your yeah. response? I'm sorry I microaggressed you. Yeah, that was I a microaggression is what that was. Yeah. You know what? I'm a big man. I have forgiven. So um, we uh, played a clip of uh, Representative Dick Durbin a little bit ago. Um, basically saying, we can't have Americans doing dirty, sweaty jobs. I mean, that's just beneath us. Um, <laughs> that's right. a, such a racist I, notion. I, I find that very troubling <laughs> as an attitude. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of bizarre that the idea that a lot of this work is, is beneath Americans and that we have to import a servant class from some other country uh, to, to do these tasks. And it's kind of odd to me. You know, we talk about... Uh, you know, it's it's this has to be motivated by racism. You can't want to reduce immigration or control immigration or do anything about illegal immigration, even unless you're you're racist and you just don't like people. But Dick Durbin and company are essentially advocating a policy of importing non-white people to do work for affluent white people at the expense of an American working class that is itself disproportionately black and Latino. Um, not wanting to do that is, is racist. I, I find that kind of hard to, to, to swallow. And what's extra bizarre about it, Jim, is that they're not talking about doing that lawfully by changing the system. They're proposing doing it by continuing to turn a blind eye to illegal immigration, which is an argument that if you actually state it is is absurd. It's ridiculous. Nobody would be in favor of it. Except, you right. know, the people who want to put uh, illegals in their union or register them to vote or, or what have you. Right. And, you know, our entire immigration policy basically allows the immigrants to choose themselves. I mean, obviously, all illegal immigrants choose themselves. They decide to come here with without regard to any government policy that we've set. But some 85 percent of immigrants that are admitted to the United States now are, are admitted through family reunification. They're related to the right people. So they, you know, they come here because they're related to previous immigrants. Uh, and very small percentage is admitted on the basis of skills. So even if you don't like uh, the immigration reduction uh, in the bill Trump endorsed, there's also just the matter of how much of our immigration do we want to be skills-based based on what you can contribute to the U.S. economy uh, or based on you know, other factors. And, and one final note from me, uh, we just received a letter, it was a rather lengthy, uh, four or five pages, with uh, documentation from a retired Marine who is trying to get his uh, his paramour, his fiancée, uh, into the United States. He is more than willing to support her. She is a, a lovely gal, well-educated. She happens to be Australian. And it is proving to be impossible to get her papers to get into the United States. Those right. who do foolishly try to follow the rules are treated as if they are, are are Nazi war criminals. Right. So all of the incentives really are to not follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, oh, absolutely. nothing will happen to you. But if you try to follow them, you'll spend thousands of dollars 
you'll fill out all this paperwork and you'll you'll just wait. Oh yeah, I had I had an Italian friend that I was pretty good friends with for a while, and he was here as a professor. And um, um, and his stories of the way he was treated when he would go to get various paperwork to fly home and get back in the country, country just I mean, just unbelievable their disdain uh, for for immigrants. It's 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 incredible the way they would treat him. I mean, the the system could not be more broken. Mm-hmm. Every every aspect of it. Uh, and I realize that um, the term comprehensive immigration reform is frequently just code for amnesty. But w- w- why can't we, for God's sake, as a people, get together and just break the whole thing down and build it up again? Is it the lobbyists you're talking about mostly? It's the lobbyists. It's the immigration lawyers. It's the business and, and, and activist group interests that, that really get involved in these things. And, and you know, they, they keep the current bureaucracy afloat. Now, you know, Trump did win a lot of votes on this issue. It's possible that if you see enough election results like that, it could have the potential to shake some things up. But inertia really wins in a lot of these fights. And you have these these defined interests that really are going to be pushing between elections and, and every day. And they really want to preserve even if they don't want to preserve the system exactly as it is right now, the reforms that they would like to make to it uh, accentuate a lot of the existing problems rather than resolve them. There you go. James Annell III, politics editor for the Washington Examiner. Got a gal pal or a, a fellow you're planning to have a James Antle the Fourth with? Oh, or? boy. I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. We're really, we're really digging well, I just investigatively. Wanted. We're doing investigative I just wondered. here today. I just wondered. Yeah. No comment is perfectly acceptable. Or no comment, no you comment. idiot, is, is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Okay. Jim, it's always a pleasure. Thanks a million. Take care. Good to be with you. Likewise, thanks. That probably was too far. That's rude. That was probably wow. inexcusable. That was too wow. far. That was too Shocking. far. Shocking. Yeah, that was too far. Apologize to him, won't you, Sean? It's too late. Tell him I drink. <laughs> he wasn't on the phone long enough for me to apologize. He's a drinker. He was slamming the phone down, screaming, I will never appear with those two buffoons again. Huh. Heard him say something about rubes as he was hanging up. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. You've said it before, but I don't even remember why. Why he decided not to continue the third to the fourth. Oh. I don't know. And, and as I remember, it's it wasn't. To put into words. And it wasn't ashamed of your heritage. So, oh it no, wasn't I'm that. No, I'm. I'm immensely proud to have the name that I have, and and the two men who had it before me. And I, I wanted to kind of, but I wasn't sure. I wanted to lock my son into it, and I just, I don't know. We went back and forth, and Judy was kind of, you know, just as soon not, and so we didn't. It's it's difficult to put into words. It's kind of an emotional, wishy washy, wobbly decision. Yeah, well, yeah, I can understand that because my uh, my youngest is named Jack Henry, and we call him Henry. Why is his first name Jack? I don't really remember. <laughs> Henry's not my middle name, so it's not a the second. Yeah. So he's got my name, but it's so why? I'm not exactly. It seemed like a good idea at the time. You know, it's funny. You agonize. <laughs> and it's turned into a nightmare, by the way, with uh, medical records and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Which yeah. Jack are referring to? And then get insurance oh, stuff boy. for this and that, uh, and yeah. getting appointments and. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit of uh, being the third. I mean, it's right there on the forms. Uh-huh. Um. You know, it's funny because a lot of parents agonize over names and stuff for their kids. And, you know, you should try to avoid, like, I'm a pig or IP daily or whatever. Um, But it's really just a collection of sounds. Sure. 
Um, and, and whereas, you know, my name is, and I'm not bragging, it's more than a collection of sounds. It's a, it's a, and so some days I think I should have gone with the fourth. But the interesting thing is, and I don't know why this doesn't happen more often, for 25 bucks, or at least this is what it used to be, it's probably around, for 25 bucks you can go down to the courthouse and change it to whatever you want. But wow. almost nobody does. Almost nobody does. Wow. You would think there'd be a lot more people who would decide, you know what, I want, I want my name to be Bruce. I just I've always liked it. How well, about Zippy Kickass? <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor. <laughs> we all go with what we got, because it doesn't matter that much. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, I'll tell you, Trump got fired up. Tense meeting with U.S. generals saying the U.S. is losing the war in Afghanistan. You got Sessions doubling down on sanctuary cities and the boxer Floyd Money Mayweather's historic payday. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. God, how could the most boring fighter in history make so much money? And I've been drawn in by the hype, too. I, I want to watch it, but how can I put money in this guy's pocket? Ugh. Yeah, and he's a scumbag. So he's a scumbag and boring to watch. How does he make so much money? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Apparently in the great state of California, it's $500 to change your name. Someplace I was living, wow. it was $25. Whatever. Five, honey. Mm. Uh, but even then, I'm surprised. Go a good one. Even then, I'm surprised more people don't do it. Captain Awesome Powers would be my name. <laughs> Captain? Skip, skip the news now with Marshall Phillips. Now, President Trump extremely disappointed with the U.S. military action in Afghanistan. NBC News was the first to report during a recent meeting with top military officials, including Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. Trump said the U.S. is losing and suggested the top U.S. commander in Afghanistan should be fired because he's not winning the war. Trump also complained about our NATO allies, wanted to know if the U.S. could benefit from the estimated $1 trillion worth of rare minerals in Afghanistan, and repeatedly said the top U.S. general there should be fired. So well, I'm not sure it's uh, winnable, but I like the idea of raping other countries for the resources. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. So I'm reading this new uh, World or uh, Vietnam book that's yeah. out. And then i got to do the breaking news, but go okay. ahead. It's about the Tet Offensive in 68. But anyway, as it, as it mentions in the book, and if you're a fan of this sort of thing, you know this, but uh, the memos came out in the last few years. Defense Secretary McNamara wrote in October of 66... That there was no way we could win. We're wasting our right. time no matter how much bombing we do. They hate us being there. They 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 resent us being there so much no matter what we offer. They just don't want us there. And significantly, the regime we're propping up is worthless. The regime we're popping right. up is corrupt and worthless, and right. nobody believes it's real. Right, I mean, nobody just, likes it. There's no way we can win this. And it ended in, what, 73, from yeah. 66 to 73. When are, when are we going to finally see the memos about Afghanistan when Rumsfeld or uh, um, uh, who was the secretary? Maybe Gates. Maybe Gates. Uh, probably yeah. not Gates. I think he would tell the public. But uh, but whoever said out loud, a commander in Afghanistan said, there's no way we're ever winning this. They resent us being here. We're propping up a government that everybody hates and nobody believes in. We're wasting our time. We can bomb them all we want. We'll, nev- we'll never win. Because that's clearly the case, isn't it? I would who tend to agree. Who doesn't think that that's the case? Well, unless we do a slow, steady build of the Afghan government over the next 30 years. But tell us, look, we're going to be there for 30 years. Because that's what it's going to take. Here's my breaking news, breaking news. I was quite shocked last night to receive a text 
from one Tim Sandifer of the Goldwater Institute. Um, and you may remember his wife, Christina, who also works for the Goldwater Institute, has been one of the lead attorneys trying to get right to try laws passed in the various states, which is that if you are dying of a fatal disease right. um, and there are treatments that are available that haven't been approved in the U.S. but are being used effectively elsewhere, mm-hmm. that you can try them. I mean, you're dying. Why not? The great nannies of Nanny America say, no, we don't. You shouldn't have false hope. Uh, we, we, you need to wait until things are approved or just go ahead and die, which is an obscenity to me. But anyway, uh, they were shocked to hear that federal right to try was attached to another bill and it was being voted on in the United States Senate today. Evidently, they didn't know it, which is crazy. It came up suddenly and it passed. So it's past the Senate, what the future is in the House or, right. or what, I do not know. Right. But federal right to try has passed the Senate. So that's uh, a victory. Attorney General Jeff Sessions cracking down on so-called sanctuary cities. This time he's threatening to keep federal crime-fighting resources from cities that have been ravaged by violence if they don't cooperate with federal immigration <clears throat> authorities. The Justice Department has sent out letters to Baltimore, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Stockton and San Bernardino in California telling them they'll be ineligible for a new program if they don't step up to help. So he is he is saying we're going to cut off the funds if you don't move into line. And we've got Floyd Mayweather, Money Mayweather, expecting to rake in over $300 million wow. for his upcoming fight with Conor wow. McGregor, who's never boxed million. before. <laughs> He spoke. Wow. It would it would have to be a record shattering number of subscri- or buys for the pay per view to, to get that high. It'll okay. probably come in just under that, but it's, it's tons of money. If it were half that much, it'd be insane. Yeah, I was speaking to Showtime's All Access about the super fight coming up on August the twenty sixth. Well, you're not getting my, more of my money. Athlete out there and just coming back. Are we not talking about no contract? Or, or, and I and I don't knock nobody. We're not talking about no contract for no four years or no contract. No five years. I could do it in 36 minutes. 300 or better in 36 minutes. We're just being real. Just being real. And how long it takes you to beat your wife? 36 minutes? No. I'm not putting any more money in his pocket. Yeah, I know. Meanwhile, UFC champ McGregor is expected to make about $100 million. By the way, they are on a worldwide tour now promoting this fight all over the place. They're, I think, in England now, aren't they, uh, aren't they Sean? I, want it. I think it's going to yeah. be awful. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's reason to watch it. I mean, they're getting the this is going to be great money and the this is going to be S money. So what a brilliant plan. What a brilliant economic model. One of my favorite side stories about this is the while in theory the odds should be so far in the favor of Conor McGregor, he has notoriously made a lot of his money by betting on all of his own fights. Right. He does, he hasn't lost, so he's made a ton of money. He almost doubles all of his purses by just doubling down on, on betting on himself. Wow. But if the odds get too far out of whack, Vegas bookies are worried that he'd just throw the fight and walk away with like oh, a billion you're dollars. Right. <laughs> you're right. So the odds are going to be closer than they normally would for people at this difference of a skill level. And his story was he was broke just a couple of years ago, right? right? He's uh, Conor McGregor, yeah, yeah. He was like less than five years ago. He was on, you know, food stamp style poverty. So that is a conundrum because if it gets to a certain amount, you'd be a fool to not get, I mean, go ahead, get hit hard legitimately and fall down. I right? mean, <laughs> who's, who's going to tell you, who's going to tell you you could have gotten up? No, I couldn't. That hurt. Look at the video. I couldn't see straight. (laughs) 
I mean, how would you not do that? I'm an honest person, and I would do that. Well, <laughs> surely they've gotten the contract. You can't bet on the fight. Uh, uh, boxing's weird. He's never yeah. been. He's never been prevented from betting on his fights before. He notoriously just makes a lot of a lot of his money is well, from betting on himself. Sure, a lot of betting is illegal. So, and, and I'm sorry. Are they just boxing? Or are they kicking each other? No, it's, no, it's just, just boxing, boxing rules. Yeah. How about gouging? No, no, nope. no gouging I is forbidden. Shots below the belt? No, no also for for Bowden. Anybody know how much these pay-per-view tickets are? I mean, if you want to see it at home, what is it, 100 bucks, 50 uh, bucks? I think it's close to 100 if you want the, the HD version. It's probably closer to like you know 60 what? or 70 for the who, regular. Who am I trying to get? It, it gets to be that Saturday night. I'm sitting around. I'm doing nothing. I'm looking at the Twitter feed, and everybody's talking about it. I'm going to waste a freaking $100 on this again. Uh, I, I, what's the date of it again, somebody? August 26th. Oh, hell. I think I'm going to be out of town. Well... I was going to have some some lads over to the house. We'll all kick in a few bucks. We'll, we'll, still, come over. Right? we'll still come yeah. over, Joe. What's that? We'll still come over. Yeah, it's yeah, we'll not watch so it much. on your TV without you there. Seven yeah, inch you TV. Got a, hey, you got a really nice TV. Yeah, yeah. for free. You Eat your food, drink your uh, gin. Hey, uh, my TV's broke. Uh, <laughs> and I watched that last one alone. First of all, I paid the entire oh. thing myself, and I'm a by myself on the couch watching that dull fest. <laughs> In which Floyd Mayweather beat up a crippled Filipino. Tell man. me this, Sean: Is there any chance the uh, the young Conor McGregor uh, kicks his ass? I keep trying to talk myself into it. In the rules of boxing, no. But the I think the only chance is that he is such a good trash talker, Conor McGregor is, that he might be able to get into his head and, and get him to fight a way that he is not yeah, used see, to that, fighting. That's the problem is he doesn't he doesn't really fight. But Conor, <laughs> Conor McGregor is the first guy who can ever look Floyd Mayweather in the eye and say, if this was a real fight, you would leave on a stretcher. That's a good one. He hasn't yeah. been able to do that. And also, he's also the only person who doesn't need to go through an interpreter to talk trash huh. to Conor or to Floyd Mayweather, unlike many of his previous uh, boxers where he's fighting a lot a of Mexican fighters. That'd be a good one. We're getting really sportsy here, but when he's doing his whole <laughs> lean back, you can't right. touch me thing. You gonna be you gonna be a puss and win this fight on points, or do you actually want to see who's the toughest guy here? I mean, if you really got in his face with that, what would he do? That's yeah. the rematch. And I think Floyd is disciplined enough that he'd say, "I want to win. I'm going to make three hundred million dollars." There you and, go. Uh, Shut up, you illiterate <laughs> Irishman. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Strong Getty Show, the Voice of the West. Dang it. They need to have a real fight. Stay with us. Um, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, my God, I wish I'd have seen this this morning. I just saw it on the news. So somebody hacked into one of those roadside signs. You know, the signs that uh-huh. uh, give you <coughs> either uh, construction information or say uh, driving buzzed is driving drunk or whatever they say. Sure, yeah. So somebody hacked into one of the signs on my very commute for it to say Trump has herpes. <laughs> And I didn't see it today. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Trump has herpes. It's a tad random. <laughs> I'd say, oh, boy. That is hilarious. I, I love the idea of trolling those signs. If you have the capability, please spend your free time doing that. I feel like I'd like to go to, like, if there was a night school for learning how to hack, I would do that. Cla- or online classes I could take. Just basic hacking. Yeah, basic hacking. Like the simple stuff. I'll bet that's easy. Yeah. I'll, I'll bet the guy with the knowledge got into that in no time at all. I'm in a hotel room. They got the internet, but it's twelve ninety five a day. Right. Or I see the apartment building next door's got one with a little lock on there. I just want to hack into that. Yeah, exactly. No major crime here. Right. Uh, here's our guest announcer for the day. 
And now, straight from the bowels of Armstrong and Getty, final thoughts. <laughs> Study the bowels! <laughs> Study the bowels! <laughs> Brevity is the soul of wit. I say, well done. Uh, here's your host, Joe Getty. <laughs> How about the final thoughts uh, from everybody? Vincent, what are you, what's your final thought? Band name of the day goes to Jack Armstrong for the super smart Asians. They pray the rock and roll, am I right, Joe Getty? No! Uh, but bon of the day goes to Joe Getty. For it was so hot in Portland, I saw a couple of lesbians, something, something, Subaru, something. <laughs> Marshall Phillips, what is your final thought? Earlier, talking about uh, kids' names, what you name your kids, it reminded me I never picked out a name for a son, but I did if I had a daughter. Rella Saree would have been named after one of the great loves of my life, a mountain girl who rode motorcycles in those big wheels at carnivals. <laughs> they call them the Globe of Death. She was amazing. <laughs> You're naming your daughter after a carny? <laughs> More Mike, or less. Michelangelo, <laughs> final thought. If I could hack into a roadside sign, I'd write free barbecue dinner and then aim it at my neighbor's house. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Positive Sean, what's your final thought? Yes, I'm going to go see The Dark Tower tonight. I'm fully prepared for this to be the worst movie I see all year. I'll have my full review tomorrow. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, Jack, what do you think? What's your final thought? And on the topic of paying to change your name, we got this text. My mother-in-law changed her name to Crystal Clearwater just because she thought it was funny. <laughs> wow, as an adult, you think, you know, this would be so funny. So often. Wow. I'm going to actually change my name to Crystal Clearwater. <laughs> well done, Granny. <laughs> my final thought is Australia has immigration laws. Are they racist against Mexicans? Uh, Zaire has immigration law. Are they uh, racist against Mexicans? Denmark has immigration law. Are they racist against Mexicans? You don't have logic on your side. So take that! I'm gonna silence them. I'm going to read those transcripts that got leaked today. They, uh, the, it's like 60 pages yeah. long. But I'm going to have you and the leaker prosecuted. <laughs> It's interesting stuff. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Yeah, why don't we have the link at armstrongandgettyradio.com. You can read the illegally leaked transcripts of the president's conversations that are in the whoopo. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. Yeah, we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Bye-bye. These are hard, dirty, sweaty jobs that many immigrants go to because that's what immigrants do. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.